Pod Clubhouse and decorating the set from Hollywood to your home with Beth Kushnick are pleased to announce our Frontline Workers Hero Appreciation Contest. Running from now until May 19th, the rules for the contest are simple. We want you to nominate the Frontline Worker Hero in your life and tell us why. That's it. That's all you have to do. The Frontline Worker Chosen will win a design consultation with interior designer to the stars and set decorator, Beth Kushnick. As well as a gift certificate sponsored by Raymore Flanagan to help put your design ideas into action. To nominate your Frontline Worker Hero, just head to podclubhouse.com and fill out the official contest form. See the post at Pod Clubhouse for all of the official rules and contest information. No purchase or payment is necessary to enter. Void where prohibited by law. Pod Clubhouse. Do you love Christmas? Do you love Christmas movies? Do you wish it was Christmas time year round? Well, do we have a podcast for you. Welcome to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. Whoa, 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 Clark. We're keeping this show family friendly. Where's the Tylenol? Welcome to week 18 of the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. This week we're talking about that 1989 banger of a Christmas classic, Prancer. (laughs) I like how you pause. You're like, "Mm, Prancer. Prancer. You may know him as one of Santa's reindeer. He's a big boy. He was played by a That's reindeer named saying. Boo. Oh, I love that his reindeer name was Boo. Yeah, That's I fantastic. thought that was very funny. They should have very just called. Cute. They really should have just called the movie Boo and just oh, retcon retcon that Santa's reindeer. Uh, you know, one of those things where it's like Nay Prancer now goes by Boo. You know, <laughs> I would have been into that. I really like that. Prancer was written by Greg Taylor, which I have a fun fact to relate to you later on. I even left it off the notes because Ooh, I wanted so to I keep it. I it? wanted to keep it a true secret. Oh wow! I had a How ha- Christmassy of you. Oh, very. I put it in wrapping paper with a bow and everything. Whoa! Yep. And Does it was John dir- D. Hancock know about this? Uh, he was the director, so he may know about it. I'm sure oh, there wow. were jokes about it. So. <laughs> Well, sounds good. Take me back to November 17th, 1989. Oh, well, it was a fateful time in our country. Was it? (laughs) I don't remember. (laughs) It was was just past the one-year anniversary of George H.W. Bush being elected president. I was going to say it was past the one-year anniversary of November 17th, 1988. Uh, Well, yeah, that also. That also. 1989, a year ruled by the original Batman and uh, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. And Prancer. Choose wisely, Indy. That's my my Sean Connery. So did you see it back in 89? Were you a little boy in New York City just like totally tap dancing around to get to go see Prancer in the theater? No, no. I, I did see another Christmas movie in 1989. It was actually the last movie I ever saw with my father in a movie theater. Not that oh my, my father, not, not my father's dead. It was just we never went to the movies again. Um, it was, <laughs> so it was a very big deal. <laughs> yeah, it was Ghostbusters 2. Also came out in 1989. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I almost I almost got my father into a fist fight in that movie. <gasps> 
Why? What happened? Uh, I was being a little scamp, a little minx, as I was wont to do, a little 11-year-old Mike. And uh, I guess I wasn't so little, actually, at 11, but I was 11, and uh, I was, you know, in the theaters, you could put your feet up kind of into the crack of the seats uh, in front of you. I knew it was going to be a feet thing. So yeah, I was I jamming. Know. I was jamming. Not uh, not with a seat that was occupied. I was jamming my sneaker up into like the crevice, and I was like flexing it. So I was I was make. I knew I was making the seat bounce in front of me. I couldn't see it, but I could tell based on what my foot was doing. I was making a seat bounce. Well, it turned out a large man had his popcorn stashed, uh, oh jammed into that seat. And when it uh, fell over... <gasps> he, you he, actually knocked it over? I, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't check to see, but he claimed I did and he stood up in the movie theater and was like, hey, you kid! And my father was like, hey, man, he was an accident, he's just a kid. And he like, sat down like, yeah. And maybe that's why my dad never wanted to go to the movies with me again. I actually have a feeling he found the source. (laughs) I just worked that all out. A mystery that has plagued me for 32 years. That's hilarious. I love that. Yeah. All right. So you didn't see it. I also did not see it in the theater. In fact, I had never seen this movie in totality ever. So this was my first run through and I really didn't know what to think about it when I was sitting down to watch it. Did you have any any ideas, any, you know, preconceived notions? I So I knew of Prancer. I knew what the movie was about. Generally. I knew the log line. Right. I knew Prancer, one of Santa's deer, injured, nursed back to health by a little girl and magic. You know, like I knew that. That was all I knew about it. I had never seen the movie until I sat down to watch it for this. I always had the impression that it was going to be of like the Hallmark movie mm-hmm. variety. Very it felt that way. Very, very family friendly, schmaltzy, I would say, even maybe. Uh-huh. I would have thought that too. Very benign, very gentle. A movie a true movie you could have an eight year old go see. And and I think largely that's what this movie turned out to be for me. So let's talk about the casting for this one. Wild casting. Casting you could only get in 1980, <laughs> uh, in 1989. I put up on my Twitter, <laughs> on my on my pop culture view Twitter while yeah. I was watching this. If I said to you there was a movie that had <laughs> Sam Elliott, Cloris Leachman, Abe freaking Vagoda, <laughs> and Johnny Galecki of Big Bang Theory fame in it, right. you would call me a liar. Maybe even and a I would dirty liar. Never, ever, ever guess it was Prancer. I would be like, is this some sort of Italian like mafia movie or something? Like, <laughs> what could these people be all in? And it's Prancer? Totally shocking. Did you know Rebecca Harrell from anything? Do you know her from anything since? No, I mean she still works, but she's become more of a filmmaker now. Uh, she has she doesn't act too much, and I and she didn't really act too much after this. You know who did ring a bell who? was her best friend in this movie, Ariana Richards, playing Carol Weatherby. <sighs> Totally, yes. So I knew the name. As soon as I heard the name Ariana Richards, I was like, I know that name. So I had Mm -hmm. to go look it up. Do you know who she ended up being? Yeah, she was totally Lex in Jurassic Park. I completely recognized her by her hair. I really had to stare into her face to to put it together. And then I did. But Johnny Kalecki, I I barely recognized him. It took me... Oh, really? His little voice is so instantaneous for me. I was like, is that Johnny? I think think that is. Is it? I don't know, because this is still several years before Roseanne, uh, you know, obviously. He's in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, so you're 
a big fan of that movie, if I mm-hmm. if recollection serves. And so you're probably much more familiar with him as a young Muppet than I am. And he was in a lot of other littler parts that I have seen him around, things that my kids have watched. Um, yeah. He played little bit parts on like 80s TV shows for a while. So I've seen him as a little guy, but his voice is so identifiable for me. Yeah. I didn't recognize him. I recognized his voice. I heard him first. Oh, see, that didn't ping for me at all. I had to stop the scene where I knew it was one of the three boys and I was like, which one is he? And then so I was kind of, <laughs> I was kind of like freeze frame, like this is a Pruder film trying to figure out. I was like, which one is it? <laughs> That's I was funny. like, I was like, I got, I got to put a hoodie on him and then a jacket over his hoodie oh, and put yes, glasses on him. And, sure. then, yeah. and then imagine he's talking to Sheldon. <laughs> and which one of these is that guy? <laughs> That's so funny. You know, who did not work for me at all in this role. Sam Elliott, because he (laughs) is a sweetheart in my mind. He is a handsome, rugged sweetheart. And for him to play such a grumpy, mean guy, I was like, he had such few moments of being even remotely nice. When I had to say the sentence, so the dad just sold him to the butcher, I was like, oh my gosh. And now I know how it all ended up, okay? But I'm just saying, there could have been other better people to play John Riggs, in my opinion, because... I don't know. He didn't match up at all. And I missed his big Sam Elliott smile because he never smiled. See, I have I have Sam Elliott in my mind as being kind of a gruff grump really? with a gruff grump with a heart of gold. So personality wise, I actually thought this was a really good performance. And I think he did widow dad struggling to make ends meet. I thought he did really well. My problem is Sam Elliott, much like Abe Vigoda, has always been old. To me. Now, I'm sure Sam Elliott <laughs> in 1989 true. is probably my age or younger, even. <gasps> Can uh, you imagine? But I, I mean, not to be, do like the Brimford, you know, the Wilford Brimley test here. Uh, I, I feel like I hear you clicking if you're going to check. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know how old he is. I, I heard that. So he's 76. So 76, and so you minus so he was 32 born in years. 44. So 44 from 89. Oh, crap. Is he's like 45. Exactly our age. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and he yeah. looks so old. Right. And, but, but, but he has always. So the same with Abe Vigoda. Abe Vigoda, I feel yeah. like, came out of the womb with like a slight hunchback and, and gray hair. <laughs> a Vigoda, thousand percent. He has the little like a bloodhound cheeks, like a hundred percent. My mom and my grandmother were big Barney Miller fans. So I grew up yeah. watching Barney Miller and Cindy. I, I remember watching, I feel like Fish, uh, the spinoff series that only lasted one season, I feel like we watched. like uh, you know, And obviously then into the Godfather movies. Like I'm a big Abe Vigoda fan from the 70s, and he looks the same. He's always looked old. He's always, yeah. always looked old to me. But So, so Sam- that was another character, though, that I struggled with because I was like, Dr. Benton, really? You're going to be like this much of a jerk, like 90% of the story? Like, God, I, I didn't want him to be. I didn't take him as a jerk either. He, again, just kind of a cranky guy which is kind of what like i feel like ava goda is yeah i see i think personality wise they were both dead on my problem was that they just seemed so old and i realized sam elliott and i couldn't bring myself to check i I was positive he was probably near our age i cannot even believe he is that kind of makes me crazy but he did have an eight-year-old so we have to think he couldn't have been 70 i am basically the same age as him now as he was then 
and that makes me feel sad because I do have a decent amount of gray in my in my hair. I like the personality wise. I actually thought that worked really well. And I think Abe Vigoda is such a dry, sardonic kind of wit. It, and again, maybe it's like a New York thing. He has a real New York personality about him, like maybe where everything that. annoys you. So whether you're in a good mood, a bad mood, or indifferent, you can never really tell because you're always kind of okay. Be fish the the detective, or go be be some hard guy somewhere. But you're a vet. You're a vet. Yeah, but he had worked 12 hours birthing a cow. I don't I think heard. he's normally like that. He I was tired. Heard. <laughs> what had happened was what I happened heard. Was he had had his hands up in a baby cow trying to he birth a baby cow. He was exhausted. I heard. I heard his complaints. But come on. A little baby is holding onto your truck and begging you. And you're just like, get away from me. Like, come on, Abe. Come on. Now, now I think coloring this, Caroline, and yeah. I, I'm going to say some stuff. And, oh, my God. You're about to say some I'm stuff. I'm about to say, say some stuff. And you need to do a little bit of introspection here because I oh think this may be coloring your feelings on how yes. old Abe treated Jessica. Jessica, little eight-year-old, is a little minxy, saucy, little, you know, she's a stinker. I think she is a known quantity in this town. And I think she gets up to some stuff. You know, Miss McFarland, you know, sledding through her property, you know, destroying her precious plants, begging the vet to go help her her rodent reindeer, driving her father batty. Doesn't that remind you of another (laughs) little girl when she was eight years old who maybe used to put forks in her front yard and think it was real funny? not my front yard. In my other people's front, front yards? Yard. What am I going to get in trouble at my own house? I don't know. It's I'm just saying, stupid. there was a little bit of Jessica Oh, so you're Riggs. trying to say that I'm getting butthurt because I think Jessica, a.k.a. me, should have been treated better by the adults? I think you were identifying in a very oh, personal way with young Jessica Riggs, what is, is what I'm saying. Here. I can absolutely say that when I sing in a church choir, and I have for Christmas, I absolutely sing my heart out. I don't care where I am or what we're doing. I'm just like singing it straight to Jesus. So I do identify that big time. And, you know, I may have skipped school a couple of times to do whatever, to do my important business. Well, sure. And and honestly, you being you and you have a very generous, kind heart, I would find that you would definitely skip school to try and help a wounded reindeer. I would. And I would a thousand percent believe it was Prancer. Yeah. Because that's a part of me, too. Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely be like, y'all listen to me. It's Prancer. And everyone else, the Carol Weatherbees, would be like, I don't want to have this conversation with you again. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I watched this. I think I even sent you a message that maybe said, man. I see eight-year-old Caroline in this little girl so, so much. I see adult Caroline in this little girl so, so much. Oh, no, but you're totally right. It's embarrassing, but you're totally right. I would 100% act like this, and that's why I guess I was personally offended that she couldn't charm her father or Dr. Benton because I was like, I could do better than this. Come on, Jessica. Yes, but she is persistent, though. She is. It's only until she is severely beaten down by the man and the man being the system, does she finally start to waver in her belief? And that's when everyone is kind of like, oh, man, I mean, we've Jessica's lost faith. But by that point, the whole town had gained faith, and they were able to bolster her back up again. And then her dad comes around. Um, but it takes a whole movie. And this is a long movie for a kid's movie. I know. When I was sitting down to watch it, there was this thought in my head that this was going to be 87 minutes. That's what I put in my brain. This is going to be like 87 minutes. <laughs> Just shy of 90. No, 
no kids. No. It was a full two hours, and that was too long. Yeah, if I was an eight-year-old, this would have been a two-and-a-half pee break movie. Oh, gosh. Well, why are the half comes in there? Don't ask. I don't know. But I, I feel you like just this... went ahead and leaked a little in your pants. A little bit, a little bit. Maybe, you know, while I was shaking the chair in front of me in the movie theater. I'm kind of wondering what eight-year-old you is like. I mean, are, what were you at at eight years old? You're just sitting there... I was just, I was just doing nothing. I was minding my minding business. business. I was, I was, be, <laughs> I was being um, a video game master. I was riding my bike, but I was, I was, I was riding going to school. Bike. I was, yeah? I was being a good boy. You went every day, like, like you went on the bus when you're supposed to and everything. Well, see, well, I walked. I never took the school bus. I only lived five oh. blocks from the school, so I would walk every day. And my sisters at eight, my sisters were still in elementary school. My Oh, my middle sister, she was still in school with me, I think, at eight. So I was walking with some. But yeah, no, I mean, I stayed home from school a lot, but I only I only ever stayed home with my parents knowing I stayed home. I see. I never uh, even through high school. I never skipped school once that my parents didn't know I didn't go to school. Wow. I was a good kid. It's a real feather in your cap. Oh, I mean, there are rules. <laughs> in your nerd cap. <laughs> there are rules. I, 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 yeah, I, see, another thing where Steve comes out and she is like, it's a reindeer nerd. I know. When she said nerd, I was like, oh, God, that's exactly what I would have said. Yeah. I was like, you nerd. Yeah. Had, had she had a couple more inches, she would have wedged him. We have super southern accents when we were little. And so my one cousin would say, you nerd. <laughs> That means nerd, but so you funny. pronounce it like that. Yeah, nerd. <laughs> Makes you laugh. Thanks, Prancer. Let's talk about Cloris Leachman here because I I have really fond memories of Cloris Leachman, though, for the love of God, I can't think of exactly where I know her from, but I love her. I think she is wonderfully batty. I feel like I know her from game shows as as being a celebrity on game shows a lot. But I loved her here as Mrs. McFarland, starting off as like the kind of grump, scary house that no one wants to go to. But then, you know, sad background that they never really delve into and then has like this whole arc and becomes like a really big, you know, Jessica fan. I know her from um, Young Frankenstein, for one. That was like the oh, biggie sure. for me. And maybe right at this right time is that where I'm actually starting to really love on her. So to see her in Prancer, I think that was like perfection for me. But then she was in a lot of kids stuff that I feel like she did make the rounds in front of us. I even think she maybe was on the Muppet show at some point, which would be definitely where I would have seen her. She's right in the perfect, <laughs> perfect little swath of people they would have on the Muppet show. Yeah, no, I think she was great she played just enough of like neighborhood kind of maybe haunted house witch kind of lady that everyone's scared about um but also as adults you know you're like okay she's widowed she's got this beautiful garden the kids are totally ripped through her garden like that was insane uh so i i got i felt her her noise really hard there of course she was in facts of life Mm-hmm. She took over for Charlotte Ray, I guess, right? When Charlotte Ray left the show. Yeah. Was she Mrs. Garrett's sister, I want to say? I don't I, So the character like was that. Beverly Ann Stickle slash Mrs. Mm. Krebs. I feel like Mrs. Krebs, maybe. Right. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think she, when, when they redo the store that gets all neon-y and very late 80s looking, I think that's when... Yeah, Cloris Leachman maybe comes in. So that's probably actually where I knew her, know her from. So that's like our main cast, right? I mean, those are the people who we're going to spend a lot of time with. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, the only other one really worth talking about, only because I was a big fan of this when it came out, was Michael Constantine, who plays the mall Santa. 
Yeah. She is the dad in My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Oh, that's funny. If you add on 20 years, which solves all of his acting problems with Windex. Put yeah. a little Windex on it, that guy. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Love so it. that's Mall Santa. So I thought that was fun. And here's a little connection, a little trivia for you. Mm-hmm. He plays the Mall Santa in this, in the direct-to-video sequel, Prancer Returns, in 2001, John Corbett plays the Mall Santa in that movie and plays the son-in-law or son-in-law-to-be in My Big Fat Greek Wedding. So oh, a, that's hilarious. A whole Look little Prancer circle. <laughs> Prancer circles. Maybe Nia Vardalos was like an extra in this movie <laughs> that we don't even know about. That would be so funny. Mike, I have to ask you a question about little eight-year-old Mike. Were you ever in a Christmas play? I wasn't. I wasn't. I thought about it. My school was big on plays. I We used to put a play on every quarter, but I can't remember ever doing a Christmas play, certainly not a religious play. I didn't go to church. I had no religious upbringing or education at this point in my life, not until I went to high school. I don't know that a secular school really would have done like a whole Jesus thing, but right. I can't remember doing any kind of, you know, even like a Santa Claus is coming to town kind of thing as a kid. No. Mine was through church like definitely through like ccd ish kind of stuff they kind of you know yanked us in and i was just a kid in the choir because i'm way too anticky so sure. i'm sure i was completely doing like hoedown elbow arms dancing and such it's a girl <laughs> jumping all of the snow all at once on mm-hmm. the on the players a thousand percent yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and laughing about it and thinking it was so much fun I, I got to tell you, every time she sang loud above the chorus, because it, it's a running bit. And I always I think we talked about this in, in Harold and Kumar. I appreciate I appreciate jokes. I really grow to appreciate them when they recur. Like when the joke comes back like an hour later and you've almost forgotten about it. And like they happens when she goes to church here makes me laugh every time. I thought it was hysterical. I loved how it showed a little growth arc for her, with her and the teacher because at the very beginning, you know, the teacher is admonishing her to be quiet and even embarrasses her in front of the class and tries to be a little kind about it, but still like definitely calls her out. But then in church at the very end, when everyone is much more on Jessica's side, the teacher turns around and winks at her. Gives her a little like, wink. Like, I hear you, girl, and you sing your heart out. And right. I was like, oh, what a cute little tiny mm-hmm. wee wee little arc. Even when the teacher comes up to her in the class and they isolate that she's the one loud singing, the teacher isn't particularly mean to her. No, I, I, no, I thought she was okay about it, but it just still like put the spotlight on her. For sure, great. for sure. But she could have been like much more of a jerk about it. And she just said, sing, sing softer or sing less, <laughs> sing less loud. But I love the little <laughs> wink, though. I thought it was very sweet. It was. Everyone in this movie seemed very real to me, other than the magical reindeer, which maybe could happen in a very special town. But. But I found, like, <laughs> Rebecca Harrell's performance as Jessica, I found very believable. She was a very real eight-year-old to me. I agree. And that's where at the beginning when you were saying it was kind of hallmarky, that's why I'm going to say, like, that's it wasn't as hallmarky as I thought it was going to be. Because mm. I thought all of the adults and all of the kids were going to be much more sweet and sassy, kind of just sappy almost, you know? And they weren't. They, you're right. They were much more real. The fathers and the, the adult men were mean and grumpy and angry just like regular Prancer life. Prancer and Prancer too. Prancer was a I real was grump. grumpy and tired and yeah. nobody had enough money and all that. And not in like a, if we only sold the cookie, you know, factory kind right. of way as in like the Hallmark movies. This was like, life is hard and life's going to be hard and I'm not going to tell you it's going to be okay. That speech that John Riggs gives at the end there where he's like, I can't tell you things are going to be okay. I'm like, this might be the first time I've ever seen a small little girl crying in a bed where her father says i'm not gonna tell you everything's gonna be okay Mm. whoa that was like 
piercing my heart. That's why you need a Sam Elliott though, because you need, you need like someone who could have who could also play on like Yellowstone. You know, you <laughs> you need like someone of Dutton stock to have give that speech because, and that's like a Sam Elliott type to me. Mm, see, I just think he's so much sweeter than that. Mm. Yeah, well, but for me though, it's that personality type. It's the I'll do the best I can always for you, but it may not be enough. He didn't say that. I would have accepted that. I'm going to try the best I can for you. I love you, but it may not be enough. We may have to do something else. I accept that. But saying, I, I'm not going to tell you everything's going to be okay, that's mean. Well, but it's 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 just the next sentence, though, after. Oof. I think it's really mean to be like, I'm shipping you off to your Aunt Sarah. I know. Lord have that mercy. That was so bad. I'm trying to look at this through little kid eyes. And I'm thinking. I don't know how I would have dealt with that. My mom is, is gone. Mm-hmm. My mom has died. My dad, a thousand percent, brushes me aside. Anytime he talks to me, he's absolutely yelling at me. My brother is a complete jerk. And at any point in time, I'm being told that I'm going to have to, like, live elsewhere. <laughs> and then he, but then he's like, it's only, like, 40 miles away. I, I think you're missing the point, John Riggs. <laughs> and not only that, but, like, so that even means, like, I'm never going to see you. I mean, 40 mm. miles away is far. Right. I mean, we, you're working I, morning to night, as is, to make ends meet. am I meet. ever going to see you? Right. Begs and pleads him and breaking my heart, breaking and pleading to be like I you know I'm better than Steve he's gonna get too old I can do the work and he and he's like nah you're a girl you're young yeah. and you're useless to me you go off with the women folk I was like Ooh. tell me this is not a really rough like message movie I'm like oh I mean this is not like Meisterburger Burgermeister like setting toys on fire but right. it's 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 like the 80s version of real talk yeah maybe, maybe we're just so much softer with our kids now than they used to be <laughs> It's not that it's that my preconceived notions of the movie was was all the the way more cushy stuff. So when it turned out that, well, this is probably the way that that people do talk to their kids. And this is the way life looks like from her eyes. So here's the thing. If they could play that game where it's like, you know, the the three pigs and the wolf. And it's like we only know the story from the pig side. Right. But if we could tell the story from the wolf side, like, say, John Riggs side, if there was a different movie version of this, he wouldn't be mean. He would go to his room and cry softly about having lost his wife. He'd be looking at the mortgage papers and being so upset and trying to figure out what to do. But we're only seeing it through our little main character's eight-year-old eyes. And in that case, all the adults are are rude and crummy and like way more mean than they need to be because she's so soft and little. I agree with you up to a point. And and I and very much for most of the movie, I definitely am seeing it through Jessica's eyes and the gruffness. My parents were both very hardworking people to barely keep it together always. I So there are a lot of this movie like I understood and like I felt I felt, you know, on like a level. But at the end, when he has to sit her down and tell her he can't get stuff for Christmas for her and then starts to cry. I have it. I have it in my notes here. I was like, I don't know that there's anything sadder than seeing your parents cry. Yeah. Uh, it is a heartbreak over because of something like this, because of money, because of them feeling like a failure to you. I don't know. There's anything sadder to see. I don't think there's anything sadder to feel like the the, you know, fire me from a job, but not to be able to like afford or provide for my my family. Uh, 
I, the whole I, Apple speech was when that all was like really starting to like tick off for me mm-hmm. where he was like, we're not going to starve. We have apples. We can have apple pie, blah, blah. And I started to realize like, oh, we're only going to eat apples. <laughs> like, yeah. There's no other food. Like that was like, oh my gosh. That struck me as a little bit funny. I mean, I understood <laughs> I because I'm a grown man, like I understood the reality of it uh, and, and, and what he was trying to telegraph, but she was obviously too young to really understand. But it also made me laugh a little bit because it reminded me of Bubba from Forrest Gump naming all the different kinds of ways that you could prepare shrimp which I have yes. always found forever funny. <laughs> yes, it was exactly. And, and I love apples. So there was a lot of that speech. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the bathroom a lot, but I'm going to enjoy almost all of it, though. Do we have cinnamon? Because we have cinnamon <laughs> to go with these apples, because that's going to be a big thing. I was 100% wanting apple pie after he was talking about it. Oh, God. I can't wait till the fall again. I can start making apple pie. Yeah? Yeah, I'm a little bit of an apple pie baker. Oh, you are? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've, I've been known to make some apple pies in my day. So no kidding. I like well, apple, See, I, I, I like apple pie, so I only bake stuff that I'm going to also then eat. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, anyway, no, so I, my heart was really breaking for him at the end, you know, where he realizes I can't send you away. Uh, but also at the same time, like, I'm barely keeping it together. I'm barely keeping you fed with something more than apples. Just so much of that as a dad, as a single dad, like I really felt so much of that. And that was when the movie really switched to me where I was like, oh, man, I didn't realize how much I actually identify with this grown man who is actually my age. And uh, even though he looks (laughs) like he could be my father, (laughs) he could be your grandpa. (laughs) No, and I completely appreciate that. Like I really and but here's the thing like you didn't see it until Jessica saw it once yeah. he was admitting it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then you started to see the layer peel back and that's where I mean the POV like most of us weren't seeing what was really happening until the adults actually started revealing it to her yeah uh, but I, I want to go back to her performance here because this yeah. is the story that leads to the Apple story. It's her coming up and she's talking about Sean Griswold in her class losing baby Jesus and having to use rags instead. And just the way she kind of giggles in like that insane <laughs> way that little kids giggle at their own stories and find them funny. And the way she funny. delivered it, it was I, I mean, I've worked with all our kids. I've taught. I've coached teams and sports and i've i've listened to these stories from kids at all different ages about you know all sorts of things that they find hysterically funny that happened to them in class this felt so so real like this could have been rebecca harrell telling a story about like a kid she actually knew in real life that they told her to tell in the movie (laughs) it was delivered with such sincerity and honesty it really made me laugh but then she's like are we poor like in the same breath she's like are we poor are we down on our luck when are we gonna be up on our luck that was very cute that was very cute writing have you ever heard that phrase uh when no. are we gonna be up on our luck i've never heard that but i don't know why i've never i mean that phrase makes a lot of sense it's very for me it's very gilmore girls when suki's saying she's has on we and when it's over she's like i think i have off we <laughs> i love that I love it's that. funny it's just like there has to be an opposite to this right that's uh, yeah. So you had religious training. Uh, you were doing Christmas plays. <laughs> religious training. They didn't call it that when you just went to church when you were little. They didn't call it religious training. You were at the nunnery <laughs> at a young age. You were <laughs> right. You were in the, the pre-nun program. <laughs> exactly. I would be so Maria in that whole case. They'd be all like, like what yeah. how do you solve a problem yeah, like Caroline? Will. One day you and I will do the sound of music. <laughs> And, and we will talk about how you were making drapes, clothes out of drapes. Oh, I feel like I've absolutely done that. 
did, did you ever have a friend though like carol weatherby the like the one who just doesn't believe in anything or the first one in the group who stops believing in things doesn't believe in god doesn't believe in santa doesn't believe in heaven because i was the youngest and and i was the believer and i was like the childlike wonder kid for like way longer than i needed to be everyone was that to me everyone else stopped believing before i did everyone else you know was doing everything before i was and i was like i i, I don't want to i'm like i'm not ready to grow up and i don't like need to do that i had no rush to be a grown-up how about you do you have a carol weatherby no, I, I was trying to think. I feel like I was really well isolated. And my sisters, who are five and seven years older than me, never ruined any surprises for me. They never ruined anything for me. I believed into a long, I believed for a long time. Uh, in some ways, I still believe. Well, I definitely still believe. Like, I'm not giving up any of that just because everyone else is being grumpy yeah, about it. Yeah, no, no. They're, they're, that spirit, yeah. I, I, there were a couple of just incidences in my life that that shook my faith a bit but i think it's still at my core even at 43 i think i still believe uh but no so i was thinking about i was i lucked out i never really had jerky friends who just became cynical and lost faith in the world they either we either just didn't talk about it or they also believed you know well well past maybe when other kids Stop. I mean, they were just talking behind your back. They're like, Mike still believes. Don't talk about it. That's fine with me. I mean, whatever. I, you know, I appreciate that. <laughs> if you that. weren't in on those conversations, then then you were the one on the outs of the of the still believing, still wondering. Yeah. No, I listen. I, I appreciate that. That's a kindness in itself. You know, that they don't want to that they didn't want to uh, be a besmirch my feelings so <laughs> let's get into a little bit of what makes this a christmas movie if it makes if this is a christmas movie you know obviously we're talking about prancer the reindeer specifically being nursed back to health so it really does make this have to take place at christmas time though michigan is a wild place if they have apples in the dead of winter yeah. Uh, that he's still taken off the tree with like eight feet of snow on the ground. Yes, that was confusing. Also, where is everything located? I feel like this girl had to trample all over God's green earth through the snow uphill both ways to get everywhere. I thought the same exact thing. I I literally at one point goes, where does she live? <laughs> same. She was still pulling the sled and it was like getting dark and she seemed almost like disoriented at one point where they kept showing shots of the woods and stuff and I was like, oh my God, is she lost and then i was like no she's just still walking yeah. and then randomly there was a gate what yeah. is that gate even protecting you from but and, then and at another there's... period of time when she says bye to carol she's like see a carol and carol lives like within like view like you could see carol's house right there and they yeah. were on a road and it was like wait why did you go that other way for so yeah. long maybe jessica's just bad with directions I don't possibly. Maybe she could because there is a town. I mean, they see the rain. They see the wooden prancer fall. Like there's a whole town oh. square, but they must live on the outskirts and they have to walk to the Everywhere. outskirts. But yeah, if he's got it, like an apple farm that's keeping him alive and he's got like a farm with animals and stuff, they probably have to be somewhere a little bit remote. Oh, sure. For sure. The whole town seemed remote, to be honest. And, and you know, with 19 feet of snow, like you can't bike, I guess. No, there's no biking. But let's talk about full moon on Christmas Eve and whether or not that brings magical times. Is this is this a concept you had heard before that if there is a full moon on Christmas Eve, it's going to make for a magical a magical time of year? I don't believe I had ever heard that as being something we should be looking out for. Now, I 
do think that there's something about, you know, the way that it lights up the sky. Maybe that's helps Santa more, like get to where he needs to go. So I feel like maybe I've heard something like that is a good thing, but not that it was necessarily like magical or anything like that. Had you? No, I didn't, but I liked it. And I like the mechanism, the way it worked for this movie. I liked the whole setup that the wooden reindeer falling was some yes. kind of like voodoo trigger um, yes. for Prancer, the real deer, but that it was going to be... Voodoo trigger. Well, yeah. I mean, so the, the wooden Prancer fell, and so the real Prancer obviously flying overhead, taking a, a, a test run, fell out of the sky at the same time, like a voodoo doll. Um, yeah, I mean, clearly that's what happened, obviously. I mean, obviously. I don't think, obviously, I don't think Prancer's just walking down from the North Pole through Canada into no, Michigan. everyone had said, said a thousand times, where could this reindeer have come from? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they absolutely made it clear that they could not be here. Yeah, shoddy maintenance on the part of the voodoo woodworkers <laughs> caused Prancer to fall out of the sky, obviously. And then you have the obviously the at the end, we the magical where the the footprints go to the edge of the cliff, and then you know you see the animation of Prancer rejoining Santa's sled. And I like that Santa didn't like fill it up with some backup reindeer. He kept the sled right. open. He knew he'd pick up Prancer on the way. Right, he's magical. Come on. Little frustrating point though. Again, because I'm because uh, I'm 43 and not eight, um, yeah. and maybe I don't believe as much as I think I do. Ooh. They go all the way out to Antler Ridge, right? Mm -hmm. They yes. and again, nothing is close in this town, so they have to go all the way out to Antler They're Ridge. Tramping there, right? right? Prancher takes off. He runs to the woods. They get to the edge. Oh my God, he couldn't have survived if like he had you know you know fallen off the cliff. And then and, and Grumpy Dad says, uh, "Well, maybe he flew. Maybe he flew." And then. <laughs> And she's like, oh, maybe he flew. And then you see him join the reindeer. Do you know where Santa goes literally next? The very next stop Santa makes? They fly all over Three Oaks and they go to the Riggs house. Santa could have just met them at the freaking house. They didn't need to go out to Antler Ridge. Santa's first stop in Three Oaks was the Riggs house. Oh, my God. That's too funny. That's so too funny. inefficient. Prancer must have been like, son of a gun, I was just here. I can't escape this town. Right? Why did I have to run all the way into the woods? I'm already a little weak. Yeah. Yeah. I got I got a bad I got a bad leg. I got a bad wheel, oh Santa. Oh my gosh, that's funny. And really I've been, funny. I've I've spent the week in a pen at the butcher, <laughs> trapped, caged like an animal. Hey, I'm asking you, do you think this is a Christmas movie? Because you started going there with your with your full moon talk. So we're going to ask the first question that we always asked on this podcast. Is this a Christmas movie? Got to tell me yes or no. I think it is. Okay. And give me your three reasons. Give me three. I don't know that I have three. Come on. Okay. It, well, one, it takes place at Christmas time and it can't take place at any other time. Okay. Because it involves a Christmas animal. Got it. Two. Two. It revolves around the power of childlike belief and the magic that is contained in that belief. I like it. Three. It's about family. It's uh, it's about being there for family, no matter how bad things can get. And even when you you are contemplating having to ship your daughter off to live with someone else because you cannot do it, you cannot make it work. You realize that if you don't have family, you don't have anything, and uh, you you need to keep that together and everything else be damned. I love it. I also agree that it is a Christmas movie. I think that you have all the important visuals. You've got Santa Claus at the mall. You've got 
got you've got Santa Claus's reindeer. You've got all the different things that they're trying to do to get ready for the holidays. There's a lot of like a ticking time clock about like it's Christmas Eve. It's like the day before Christmas Eve. There's a lot of like <gasps> like it's coming. There's a big build up there. And of course, just the, the stress that we talked about last week with bad moms. This is why I said bad, bad moms Christmas isn't really just about moms. It's about whatever parent is trying to make it special for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And in this case, having John like feeling that stress, feeling that pressure and not knowing how to handle it. Man, Christmas all over that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, I learned reindeer make lousy house guests. Oh, gosh. What did he stick his face in the oven? I was like, boo, get out of there. Prancher boo. I I think you knocked over every darn thing in that house, my man. did, but they had, they told many times how big he was. They did. And I feel like he actually grew a little bit every time. I feel like he was a different size. It was boo. It was always boo. Boo was Prancer. But I feel like he seemed like he was a different size depending on the scene. You know who we should ask? I bet our set decorator in-house here at Pod Clubhouse Beth Kushnick could yes. totally tell us if they adjusted the size of the set at different points to make it look like he was getting bigger and bigger. Uh, maybe. I mean, he is not navigating the inside of that house. He must have regretted. <laughs> I'm sure he'd. Although he was hungry. He'd been out there for so long. I mean, she bought him a 40 pound sack of oats that had a bow tie on it, that had a but bow it on it. But still had the bow on it, which made me feel like he had. Oh, no, no, no. But yet. we see the bag is open, though. She's feeding him from the bag after she earns the $15 worth of work from uh, Mrs. McFarland. You see which that. Which wasn't ba- that so sweet. Yes. I loved when she said, Oh, no, you were only supposed to pay me five. And how nice of Jessica. One to go and apologize and suck it up because oh, you no. have. Uh, Jessica is the kid we all should have and all kids should tried to be by the way <laughs> kids if you're listening try and be like jessica well that has made me feel very happy because you keep telling me that i'm like jessica so that happy. I, I, yeah, no, a little stinker a little devil in you <laughs> but with a good heart definitely uh, but see chloris even threw me on that because when jessica's over there and she's trying to apologize at no point does mrs mcfarland really accept her apology she's all like you shouldn't have done it you're terrible we don't like you you ruined my stuff like never really accepts the apology i was like oh my god this would break my heart i spent a lot of time around my grandmother and her friends and they were all the same way they (laughs) they never said it's okay dearie they just grandmothers would have always said it's okay it was an accident like they never would have done this to me no my grandmother would just been like go get me more parliaments that would have been how i knew like she forgave me (laughs) that's super funny super fun i so this movie does a good job of doing a riff on the classic editorial riff yes virginia there is a santa claus this was back in the 1800s right uh yeah so so a little bit of history so 1897 a little eight-year-old girl virginia eight years eight years old just like jessica virginia o'hanlon writes to the editor of new york sun the guy's name is francis farcellus church she writes this letter dear editor i am eight years old some of my little friends say there is no santa claus papa says if you see it in the sun it's so please tell me the truth is there a santa claus signed virginia o'hanlon 115th west 90, uh, 95th street it's from september 21st 1897 very famous editorial i i want to read just a little bit i'm not gonna read the whole thing i'm gonna read you a couple of the snippets this is the letter that jessica is reading to prancer in the barn that she says my mom used to read this better and that she then asks john the dad to read to her later on in the movie when they kind of make up a little bit Uh, it's a family tradition probably a christmas family tradition passed down uh so i thought that was very sweet and that she's trying to share that with prancer this is what the editor wrote 
Virginia, your little friends are wrong. They have been affected by the skepticism of a skeptical age. They do not believe except they see. They think that nothing can be which is not comprehensible by their little minds. All minds, Virginia, whether they be men's or children's, are little. In this great universe of ours, man is a mere insect, an ant, in his intellect, as compared with the boundless world about him, as measured by the intelligence capable of grasping the whole truth and knowledge. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. He exists as certainly as love and generosity and devotion exist, and you know that they abound and give to your life its highest beauty and joy. Alas, how dreary would be the world if there was no Santa Claus. It would be as dreary as if there was no Virginia's. There would be no childlike faith then, no poetry, no romance to make tolerable this existence. We should have no enjoyment except in sense and sight. The eternal light with which childhood fills the world would be extinguished. And then he goes on. There's another two paragraphs. The last paragraph is you may tear apart the baby's rattle and see what makes the noise inside. But there is a veil covering the unseen world. That's what she's reading to Prancer. This is how it ends. No Santa Claus. Thank God. He lives and he lives forever. A thousand years from now, Virginia. Nay, 10 times 10,000 years from now, he will continue to make glad the heart of childhood. I, I really like that because I had never actually read the whole thing and I've been reading it. I've read it a couple of times just to myself getting ready for this and after having seen it. That's really powerful words. And I like that he treats her like an adult. He writes to her as a peer, but also with childlike wonder and hope about it that we all need a little bit of. Oh, I so agree. It's sad that we separate the idea of being an adult with wonder and belief and hope and all that stuff like that's like set like to the side because you can't be an adult and have those so it's like yes you can why do we have to make it like that where it's childlike wonder like can't i have adult like wonder and can't i also still have that same level of it being like a kid like being curious as an adult isn't that okay like why does it why do people have to belittle it and try to make it seem like oh well you must not be very smart or very grown or very mature if you still wonder about things like the world is amazing how are you not in wonder all the time when the newest like space shuttle was going up i was like glued to the to the tv i was like this is amazing and all these other people are like who even cares i'm like how are you not amazed by the things that happen around you and i don't know if that makes me like childlike wonder but it's just caroline curiosity yeah no listen i mean i have advice anyone listening go to a beach when it is empty especially if you can go at night stand on the shore right at where the water's edge is look out into the distance look up into the sky see if you can feel anything other than just being the tiniest of specks in the universe the world is wide the universe is wide and we are just such small parts of it how do you go through this world and not have wonder how can you be so certain about the things about you and not have wonder every day every way around you i i i see things all the time and i'm just wondrous at how they are and how they work and how they came to be our our place here is so so small (laughs) we're like you guys listen to me Well, well, so, so I, so I wanted to read that because then I wanted to pair the movie's response to that. And for me, this is what really heads home the Christmasness of this movie, of this movie. And I wonder if you agree. Yes, Santa. There are still Virginias in this world. We have one right here in Three Oaks. She's nursing the spirit of Christmas back to health the same way as she's nursed your missing reindeer back to health. Please stop by soon to collect Prancer. Until then, he's in good hands. Three Oaks is in good hands. 
As long as we have children like Jessica Riggs, with all their sense of wonder and belief, we need that belief. The world needs it. May it live forever. Now, do you know why she needs to nurse back the Christmas spirit, which I love that line. She's nursing back Christmas spirit as she's nursing back your fallen, your hurt reindeer prancer. It seemed like the more that we were in the town and we were around the town, it seemed to me like the entire place was down on its luck. I don't know if I'm completely reading that correctly, but that's how it felt. It felt like all of the adults were were having a hard go. Uh, Yeah, no, I think for sure this is a depressed town and probably a tough time of the year, too. For whatever their thing is, winter, it suffers during the wintertime. But I I was going to be more just calling back to the, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Uh, She has to nurse back the spirit of Christmas because we've been affected by skepticism of a skeptical age. You know, what was true in 1897 is still true in 1989. It's still true in 2020 that we're so we're so caught up so much of the day with our technology and our fanciness and all the things that gizmos and gozos and do this and do that. And that we have all the answers and we forget that there is so much out there. We don't even know to ask the question for let alone know the answers to and i think that's what eats away at that christmas spirit that that someone like a jessica riggs and and children everywhere certainly carol carol weatherby needs her christmas spirit nurse back to health you know and you need someone like jessica to do that that for me is what really mailed this home as being a christmas movie all right let's hop into some fast facts mike and let's be like fasty fast facts Sure. I'm going to give you my first one. It's the secret fact I told you. So I told you this movie was written by Greg Taylor. Now, Greg Taylor has written a lot of stuff over his career. In particular, he wrote 1995's Jumanji. Now, now he wrote the screenplay, uh, so six years after this. Jumanji is a book by Chris Van Allsburg. Do you remember the another book that Chris Van Allsburg wrote, Carol? Caroline? (laughs) I was thinking about Carol Weathersby. (laughs) Chris Van Allsburg wrote lots of books, but I, I mean, it's not Polar Express, is it? It is Polar Express. Okay. I was pretty sure, but I mean, I felt like embarrassed if I didn't know because I'm no, like a school teacher. <laughs> I, I was just making a Greg Taylor six degrees of separation to our Christmas podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So he wrote Jumanji, book by Chris Van Allsburg. Chris Van Allsburg wrote Polar Express. Polar Express, I think the third or fourth movie that we covered in this little podcast. Yeah. Crazy, huh? Yeah. yeah. Wild. Okay. So the holiday and reindeer aside, this story bears a strong resemblance to that of Pollyanna in 1960. Did you ever watch Pollyanna? I didn't. I didn't. What? What? Uh, do you know what Pollyanna is about? I, I sure. don't know. It doesn't really matter what it's about exactly. Just knowing the spirit of Pollyanna, that's totally Jessica, like trying to find the optimistic side of everything. I've heard that phrase, and so I know how that's used. You know, she's mm-hmm. a real Pollyanna, but I, I never really put it into context, though. I do just you know, know that I actually apologize and say things like, I'm not trying to be a Pollyanna, but like I say that on the regular because Pollyanna is... Jessica. <laughs> Jessica is me. The poster for this movie, the poster for Prancer, appears in the background of a Seinfeld episode from 1991 called The Dog. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> how how um, random and wild. There's no one from Seinfeld in this movie. <laughs> that's really funny. Okay, director John D. Hancock insists that Prancer's fate, whether he rejoined Santa or leapt off the cliff to his death, should be left open to interpretation, but the studio wanted a more definitive answer. Originally, Hancock decided on an elaborate special effects sequence showing Prancer's journey to Santa's sleigh, but was scrapped in favor of a more simplistic animated sequence. Hancock claims that the shot of Prancer rejoining Santa is all 
in Jessica's mind. What do you think I about that? I disagree strongly. <laughs> I knew I, you would. I disagree strongly. One, because what kind of monster are you, John Hancock? You have Prancer leaping to his death? Yeah. Who, who peed in your Cheerios? Good lord, man. It's weird. That is disgusting and horrible, and I can't believe you Why even thought that. Why would you have us follow an animal for an entire right? show yeah. just to have him basically yeah. commit suicide? Like, what are you talking about? That is a weird directing choice. I, well, it is a weird directing choice. It's a weird directing choice that you that you were trying to die on this hill about it, too. That you were fighting with the studio because they didn't want you to murder Santa's third reindeer? <laughs> what is wrong with you, you, you monster? That's very strange. All right, give me one more fast fact before we get into Jingle Bells. I wanted to make a Polar Express connection here because they hear the bells. They hear it's sleigh bells, but it's they hear the bell and John hears the bell at the end. In addition to the animated sequence that we see of of the light joining back up into Santa's flying sled and reindeer, there's sleigh bells being heard. And I love that because that was a thing about Polar Express that I thought was it was one of the things about when do you stop being able to hear the bell? Because she hears it. It's obvious. But I think John also hears it. He he reacts in a way is where he also seems to hear the sleigh bell. So, again, just a little, like, little van all thing i think i'm reading more into this one but i thought it was like a nice little connection to polar express and the symbolism the metaphor of still being able to hear santa's sleigh bells uh later i hope in life. i can always hear santa's sleigh bells i'll be so sad if i can't me too me too i don't know so what that's sad. gonna mean for me <laughs> Ariana Richards, uh, who plays Carol Weatherby, she actually originally auditioned to play Jessica, but was then cast as Carol as the best friend instead. Would That's have been a different movie, I think. Very much. Okay, Mike, you get to give me one more fast fact, and then we're moving on to Jingle Bells. Both of these young ladies were both uh, nominated for Young Artist Awards for their performance in this movie. They didn't win, but they were both nominated. Ariana Richards would go on to win that award for her performance as Lex in Jurassic Park. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, so we're thinking about our jingle bells but while i'm thinking can you play me a little clip for next week i can i can i actually have two clips i'm going to play you the shorter Ooh. one and let you know okay. because this has the more christmas <laughs> aspect to it Jasher. okay dancer bashful <laughs> that's a dwarf there's olive you know it's in the song Olive, the other reindeer. <laughs> you still have to call him names. <laughs> oh. Olive was a dick. <laughs> I like that Olive is a dick comment. That's very I did funny. too. It made me laugh. I originally took it. I was like, well, we keep it as friendly. I was like, you know what? Kids hear that word. And, I was, <laughs> and it made me laugh. I mean, it was a funny joke up until that point, but then it was really funny to me after he said that. Oh my that. gosh. Okay. So while I know the book, All of the Other Reindeer, I don't know this movie. Tell me what it is. This movie is 2017's Anna and the Apocalypse. Oh, are you familiar with this movie? No, at all? except for that. We did an interview with a podcast with it's a musical podcast and they suggested we watch this movie for our 52 weeks of Christmas podcast. So, wow, I'm so excited. That gets to be our next one. And I, I got another surprise for you. We're going to have Danny and Drew on from it's a musical podcast to talk about it with us. They were so gracious to introduce us and give us a little tip for it. We're going to sit down with them and talk about this zombie musical set at Christmas time and in the apocalypse. So that's next week's week 19 episode well that's very exciting i love to have a guest over uh well i think too i think i think i think <laughs> drew is joining us as well as danny so well i love that that's gonna be so much fun okay mike it is time for jingle bells are you ready i am and you went first last week no i went first last week you go first <laughs> this week 
Okay. While this movie is definitely a Christmas movie and it definitely is about belief and hope, I had some problems with it in terms of like, I don't know exactly what age you are and exactly who's watching this. I don't think it's enough for adults to want to sit down and watch with the family. I think adults would get kind of bored with it, I want to say. I, I know it's a very sweet message, but I just I think that it's too long. They could have cut about 20, 30 minutes off of it, and I think it would have held people's attention a little bit better. And it also feels like it it really aged. Like, it doesn't feel like, oh, you could watch this at any time. It doesn't really have that classic exact feel to it to me. So I am going to give this one a seven. I agree with so much of what you said. I think this movie is very much of a time when kids would watch movies like this. I don't think even your seven, eight, nine-year-old, which I think is probably your sweet spot for this movie, maybe 10, uh, 11 is too old probably for it. I think a modern kid in the 21st century is not going to sit an hour and 45 minutes, two hours for this movie with it being what it is. I, I think so. When you say it aged, I agree with you, but it's aged in a way that kids watch movies and the kinds of movies that kids watch and sit through. So it is undeniably, and I think I agree with you, it's too boring for adults to sit all the way through. Also, it's very sweet. It has a very great Christmas message. It's just from a different time and, and, and in a way that it hasn't, aged across the ages like you could still watch it's a wonderful life even though it's three times as old as this movie because that has like a timeless quality to it this movie is very much of a of a very locked in time and place uh i'm actually gonna go a little bit lower i'm gonna go six and a half and it's purely because i of, was gonna do six and a half and i thought you would growl at me and be like that's too low caroline god no because okay, I, so I, good I, to know. I think it's undeniably a christmas movie i don't think it's a christmas classic i if i never see this movie again my life will be exactly the same. This is not in a running to be in my 25 Days of Christmas playlist that I've started talking about since Harold and Kumar. <laughs> you know, it's just not a classic for me. It's just it's, it's not. You know, there's a difference between like something aging and it being a classic versus something feeling kind of old fashioned and out of touch and just like not. Yeah, and that, anachronistic, not right. Time. Not of yeah. our time. Right. It's, this mm -mm. is of 1989. And even then, it's like kind of a Little House on the Prairie-esque yes. in a way that's like, mm, I don't know if you're going to hold people's attention with that anymore yeah for sure which that, i love it don't get me wrong i love me some on little house in the prairie little caroline ingles action but caroline i mean it's it's kind of like watching uh, uh the Paint waltons dry. or <laughs> or you know well it's kind of like yeah. watching you know the or the the waltons you know like mm -hmm. it's just not the kind of thing that we consume nowadays it's just yes it's just a different time so it is it yeah. is and maybe you know again this is the exact movie you could rent at the library <laughs> yeah no, that's all no, you sure. need to know that's all you need to know <laughs> yeah guys thanks so much for listening to the 52 weeks of christmas podcast i hope you enjoyed this episode please take a minute to go over to apple Podcasts or wherever you li listen to podcasts and rate review and subscribe uh if you could leave us a five-star rating that really helps us get visibility for the show it helps apple Podcasts like us and if you don't <gasps> prancer jumped over the cliff we're going to send John Hancock <laughs> to tell you all the ways that Prancer died horribly in this movie. <laughs> That's terrible. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. 
Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.